Okay. Two monks rolled up lines. Once the great master Fayan of Xingliang Temple was about to give the teaching before the midday meal. He gestured with his finger at the blinds. And at that, two monks went to roll them up. Fayan responded, one gains, the other loses. Wu Men's comment. Tell me who has gained and who has lost. <clears throat> if you obtain the eye of awakening, you will perceive how Fayan himself failed. That being said, don't try to fathom this in terms of gain and loss. Rolling it up, the great space is utterly clear and bright. But this open spaciousness does not accord with our tradition. When even emptiness is let go of, then not even the slightest breeze passes through the blinds. Okay, so now we'll sit again for five minutes. Well, can we talk a little bit about? Yes. Do you want to start, Kim? Sure. Um, well, there's a number of things that confuse me. One is why uh, Fayon himself failed. And I, th I took it as he failed because he was dissatisfied with the way things were. And then the second thing is about the breeze. <laughs> um, when even the emptiness is let go of, and that that kind of suggested to me um, well that, that first of all, that's a really beautiful line because the aim is to to experience emptiness, but then even letting go of that, but then there's there's nothing. So there's no, you don't need, there, the slightest breeze doesn't even pass through the blinds. And I, I like that. Um, but we still have the not, the point of saying not one, not two, but it's not that. One gains, one loses. Um, so what's that about? Okay. Yeah, this is a this is a tough one, but you know, I kind of I don't know how Fayan himself failed, honestly. But I kept thinking that um, that even though the blinds were being open, which signifies to me this vastness and this space, that there was all this there was this simultaneously the activity of getting up and you know you know opening the blinds to see it and to you know um I don't know that just caught me for a minute and then I was asking myself well who was it that was opening the blinds anyway I mean I don't know it's 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 like it's a paradox it's, it's this vast emptiness, and then there's this activity. <laughs> and they're both kind of like the same, come from the same place. And 
I, I don't know. It, and there's two guys, which further confuses things because we have the <laughs> one gains, one loses, but it doesn't seem to apply to the two guys, but you have one and one is two. I may be totally wrong, but I'll just read what came to me. So I wrote, Fion gestured, who knows why? Perhaps it was for the monk to open the blinds. Perhaps it was for another reason. Probably it was to open them. They knew his gestures well. But in doing so, perhaps he didn't sit with what was with him. Whatever caused him to want the blinds open, perhaps the desire for a different sensation, the desire or need for a breeze or a view. Yet the gain was then to sit with the new just this, a breeze, the beauty outside, the bodhisattva service by the monks. Um, do not think of it as any loss caused by or for Fayan in his asking, because every perceived loss brings a gain, a new opportunity to practice in a different way. That's what I've got. That's beautiful. I like that, Nelda. I really do. Well, I'm probably absolutely wrong. You know how this goes. You get this, this sensation, and then, yeah. and then, yeah, we'll see. Well, well, you know, the whole thing about these uh, koans is that I, I, I try to come at it as if I'm awake. Do you know what I mean? You know what I mean? As as if I'm the awakened one, and I'm the one opening the blinds. You know, and from that face what is true you know and um <sighs> and i you know i always keep coming back to the paradox of being a someone and being a nothing <laughs> you know at the same time you know it's um anyway so i i, I really don't know any more than that we never do with these. <laughs> <laughs> we don't. <laughs> but there is a, a deal about not dealing, not seeing things in terms of gain and loss, right? Yeah. And, yeah, you um, wonder why he said that. Mm -hmm. you, you wonder why he said that. Why woman like, said that? Um, no, why Ann said it. Right, Fayam said it. One <laughs> gains and the other loses. Right. So. And who is no, the one? It was woman who's. Well, that was the koan, and then woman's. Oh yeah, Fayam responded. One gains, the other loses. Ah, yeah. So we. Wow. We'll see. We'll see. So he's about to give a teaching, but it sounds seems like he already did. He did. Oh, he even realized one gains, the other loses. Maybe he was being kind. Maybe it wasn't a matter of him needing the breeze. Maybe he was giving some heart um, action toward his monks and those around who were, may have been sweltering in a heat and he just thought, well, let's give him a little break. We'll see. <laughs> Yeah, well, we'll see what the whole context is and what this teacher is like and how he seemed to, you know, his disciples responded to him. That's what I like to, mm -hmm. to hear about. 
I think that's important with Nelda saying that that in the koans, the teacher cares deeply for the students. Mm -hmm. yeah. Ironic though, in getting his monks to serve him, he was serving them, if that is part of it. I love irony in life. <laughs> And you know, these are uh, called public cases. Nelda, did you know that? Yes. Like law cases? Yes. Here's the rule of contracts. <laughs> so, um, Gail, do you mind starting with uh, Gogo's comment? Sure. Thank you. And then we'll do Alpha, how's that? And then Kim, and then me, and then Stephanie. Okay. Wagu's comment. This particular case is terse. It doesn't seem to make much sense. How wonderful. If you want to enter the gateless barrier of Chan, you must not only drop your common sense, which, which helps you navigate through daily life, but also your own common sense, intellectualization, concepts and feelings that blind you. If you are to realize your true nature, you must also strip away everything else, including experiences of luminosity and clarity. If you can do so, you will find yourself already inside the gateless barrier of Chan. Clear away all that blinds you. Back in the 13th century, there were no windows. <coughs> when the blinds were opened, there were simply no boundaries of inside and outside. <laughs> Everything was just openness. Similarly, practitioners think that, the medita that meditation is about attaining some insight or fantastic states of emptiness. There are even teachers out there who walk about inner light and clarity. These are not Chan. How do you practice then? You dive into the abyss of gain and loss, right and wrong, yet at the same time, you know there's no gain or loss, right or wrong. Gongons typically present traps of duality because this is how ordinary people live their lives and entice you to fully exhaust your grasping of duality. So with this case, you have to ask yourself, why is it that when both monks roll up the blinds, one gains and the other loses? Meditate on this until you're completely at a loss when you simply can't come up with anything. Yet allow this earnest mind of wanting to know force out your wits and all of your attachments. So well, at least yes. we know Gua Goo thinks that it's the two guys yes. who, who gain and lose, okay. Chan Master Fian Wenyi was so kind that he pointed out a road for practitioners in posterity. For that, you should be grateful. This story does not say what happened to the two monks, whether they gained insights or not. The point is, how do you understand this case? Let's begin with Wu Men's verse. 
It may seem cryptic at first, but it actually makes perfect sense if you relate it to your life and practice. Rolling it up, the great space is utterly clear and bright. But this open spaciousness does not accord with our tradition. Open spaciousness consists of two Chinese characters, Tai and Kong. Maybe it's Tai means great. Kong means space, emptiness, openness. This is the same character used for the emptiness presented in the Heart Sutra. Together they stand for all the blissful experiences practitioners may have, such as insights of emptiness, openness, clarity, oneness, and flow. While these are wonderful experiences, please do not take them as Chan. They do not accord with the principle of Chan. This principle, which I have rendered tradition, has a double meaning of the Chan tradition or school and the essence or principled truth, which refers to selflessness. When even emptiness is let go of, then not even the slightest breeze passes through the blinds. Insights of emptiness, openness, clarity, oneness and flow are not selflessness because in, in, in themselves there is still a self that experiences. Why? Because deep down there's still gaining and losing, right and wrong, having and not having that lie at the core of these experiences. Ah, yes. Therefore, Usually people who have had these experiences believe deeply that they've gotten or attained something. What happens, when we, what happens when we open the blinds? There is no barrier between inside and outside. There is oneness and the space is clear and open. Similarly, when practitioners experience a sense of release, they take it as awakening. It is not. Even when there is a feeling of release or emptiness, or oneness of inside and outside, you have to let go of self-grasping. Who has gained and who has lost? If you obtain the eye of awakening, you will perceive how Fion himself failed. That being said, don't try to fathom this in terms of gain and loss. Here in this case, self-grasping is expressed with the duality of gain and loss but there are many faces of this basic way of relating to the world. Buddhism talks about the eight winds. They are the feelings of gain and loss, defamation and recognition, praise and ridicule, and sorrow and joy. These feelings arise because there is a sense of self. When you let go, no wind can blow you away. No wind can blind you. The eight winds include all of your vexations in daily life, all of the challenges, challenges and difficulties that you face, the suffering that you have. They are intimately related to words and language. Think about this. Words and language are structured around dualities. The most fundamental is the way you relate to everyone, such as people at work, friends, and family. Duality and opposition is how you live your life. You polarize 
all of your experiences in daily life without much awareness. You walk down the street, observe that certain people are dressed a certain way, and instantly you categorize them as being this or that type of person. Even some teachers react this way toward students. If students behave a certain way, a teacher may label them as this or that. Waiters and waitresses sometimes judge customers as good or bad by the way they communicate to them. Your mind naturally compartmentalizes experiences. It's normal. In fact, you are hardwired to do this. It detects threat and pleasure, for example. This mechanism has actually helped us survive as a species. It only becomes a problem if you attach to them, identify them as me and mine and I. You need to distinguish between right and wrong, between what you should or should not do. If you no longer have values, you will not be able to survive. So these skills are part of you, hardwired in you. This ability to discern right and wrong is not the problem. The culprit is that you are attached to these views as yourself. You let discriminations take the driver's seat, allowing them to govern all of your behaviors instead of reflecting on things more carefully in a non-self-referential way that sees things from other people's perspective. I'm going to need to pass because my pages are out of order. Well, I can uh, share. Do you mind? No. Thank you. Thank you. Got it? I do. Do I okay. start with Inchan practice? Yeah. Inchan practice, success or failure is not determined by how well you sit in meditation. Whether you're able to sit in full lotus or not, for a long time or not, with a concentrated mind or not, is not Chan. You only need to drop that which blinds you, vexations. One time when I was a novice in the monastery attending my teach to my teacher, he asked, Guogu, get me a cup of water. When I brought him the water, he said, why did you bring me water? I told you tea. Of course, my mind immediately started to spin all kinds of ideas of how he was wrong and I was right. I was caught up in his words. How foolish. Just get him a cup of tea. Has everyone been in that situation? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Practice is a drastic measure to uproot the poison of duality. Indeed, discernment is not the issue here. But in order for you to truly see to see that and not get caught up habitually by discriminations it is easy to make it is necessary to make you go through the process of completely letting go of discernment dis discrimination when you experience that which is completely free from duality then you will come to know your true nature your eye of awakening will open up only then will you not be so easily caught up with the manifold faces of gain and loss, right and wrong, having and not having. You will personally know that duality is to be used in the world, but that all along you have been used by it. Bayan was not always a Chan master. He was once an exegrete. Exegrete? 
know how to pronounce Let's that. Let's look it up, just a second. Yes, I don't know that word. Exegete, ex, ex Here, an expounder or textual interpreter, especially if, so there's exogenesis, which yes. I've heard of. Yes, oh. it's right. Okay, someone who exogenesis. interprets. All right, so he uh, he was also caught up with words and language. Was, right, that was his that was his deal. Okay. Yeah. Uh, before he took up Chan practice and became awakened, he studied scriptures, especially those from the Yogacara or consciousness only school. This school advances that all things are created by mind and provides a theoretical model of the mind which it divides into eight distinct layers of consciousness. On one rainy day, Fan was staying over at a rather shabby monastery. Very proud of his learning, he was sharing his understanding with the rest of the monks there, explaining how everything is constructed by the mind. Fayan had no idea that among the crowd was the abbot of the temple, Luohan Guichen. Luohan asked Fayan, how about this big rock outside in front of the courtyard? Is that created by the mind? Is that inside or outside the mind? The Yogacara doctrine teaches that nothing is outside the mind. Fayan replied, everything is within the mind. Luohan continued, that rock is in your mind? Fayan replied, yes, the rock is in my mind. Luohan laughed, why would you want to carry a rock in your mind? It's so heavy. Fayan was dumbfounded, unable to utter a word. He realized that Luohan was not an ordinary monk, so he stayed behind and studied with him, eventually realizing awakening. For the sake of helping you, Fayan sets up the current case so you can dive in and investigate. If you're awakened, you will see this case as just another trick up his sleeve. How wrong he is, how grateful you should be for his compassion. If you're stuck, all you can get grasp is gain and loss, right and wrong. That's a good one. Yeah, I really like how he um, points out the way our minds um, divide everything up and categorize everything. And, uh, you know, every, everything is um, separate from the other thing. And it's just something that, you know, our minds are programmed, I guess, to do. Like, it's part of being a human. And, uh, and yet, if it's all one, you know, it, it, it just seems um, like it all should be okay. <laughs> and, I, you know, that's just such a hard thing. I'm always wanting to argue with... Um, what's happening with what is. And that's where, that's where my practice lies, really, is this um, kind of giving up all my judgments and uh, um, points of view. I mean, it's okay to have them, but I tend, if I get fixated on them, I, I tend to have a problem, usually end up in an argument or something. I don't feel good. Uh, that's always the key. If I start to feel tense or 
mm-hmm. angry or sad or something. I know that what I've done is I've fixated on something. Right. My mind has told me is this, this way, some belief. I appreciate that a reminder, Gail, that it's okay to have those views. It's, it's our practice is to be aware of it, to notice that we have them so that we can take that step back or that pause. Yeah. Okay. It looks like I'm I'm going to have to, I'm going to have to leave guys. I've got a dog that's got to go out. Sorry. I'll see you guys next week. Okay. Bye. bye. I think I I would like to, to read more, more, um, Poems and more literature that consistently points out that even though the um, practice is to let go of duality, at the same time, there is such a thing as right action, right thought, right intention. There, there, it, it's almost not a duality, it's almost a three. There's, there, there, there's, there's another substance involved with this duality issue, and that is that is very much our practice. And we, we make choices along with that, and we make judgments with those choices, understanding that even the choices we make are dependent arising. It depends on where we are, what the circumstances are. So, um, I get less confused when I keep in mind that I live in duality and the goal is to release all of those constructs but at the same time I live under this um, model of right right thoughts right words right heart right actions that brings me back to um a place where if all my parts are aligned, then it's right action and right living. Did that make sense? Well, I don't understand your, um, I live in dualism. You said something like that, because isn't that something that, that it's a view that we adopt or not? I think it's, it's how we go through most of our lives. We do, we do, but is is the world dualistic or do we create that? Oh, good question. I think it's rooted basically in the, um, the root of it is that um, we have this experience, this human experience of being separate. Mm -hmm. We bought into that belief of separation and that's where, that's to me that's that's the entire root you know uh, of the whole thing and you know I agree with you Nelda there are um, you know like right action and you know all these other things but in my experience when I'm trying to figure that out and then I've got a bunch of ideas you know that I've been given as a child about what should should or shouldn't be happening um, it, it feels it feels painful and it feels forced, and sometimes I'm shoving down feelings, and you know. But but 
but when I'm actually just allowing everything to be as it is, and it's hard sometimes to do, but when I'm allowing that, then I don't worry too much about what the right action is. It usually just happens, uh, you know. Um, and it feels centered. It feels, everything feels aligned. So that's how yeah. I measure right action for me in the moment. Yeah, I, you know, I sometimes move into my heart area and I just, you know, try to kind of sense or feel, you know, what to do, but I don't really have any idea what to do. And that's when the most, <laughs> that's, that's when everything actually turns out in a way that uh, feels um, um, helpful or natural, you know. But this mind, you know, that thinks it knows everything, you know, wants to come in actually and direct it. And, you know, for me, the whole practice is just noticing that and then, you know, kind of pausing, you know, and um, waiting to see if I can, um, you know, it really does feel like, um, how can you say it? Um, it's kinesthetic, you know? Mm -hmm. And yeah like, what, yeah, like what we are isn't out there. It isn't like out there coming to us. It's actually right here. It's right, it's right here. It's never anywhere else. And so, you know, if you kind of like, if I feel into my body, even, you know, and notice where I'm tense and then just kind of bring my attention to it and relax or try to relax or just notice it. Um, it seems like there's an intelligence in there. And if I'm patient, that usually will move me. Um, I'm not patient all the time, though. Who is? <laughs> I, I don't know. So I, I just want to mention this. I was listening to you about you. You talk about all our different thoughts. I think the clearest experience I ever got of how many different constructs we have around everything came when I was a counselor at an abortion clinic and what that required because it was um, nationally certified. It required that the woman who came in would meet with a counselor and there were certain elements that you wanted to talk through. Her decision, making sure it wasn't coerced, um, sort of the things that surrounded that to get a picture of her. And, and then of course, um, talk with her about how she would hold herself after she left the clinic and um, how she would care for, not herself just physically, but her whole self and to make sure that she was going to um, be grounded in her decision. Um, uh, and not cause herself emotional or other harm. And then of course there was birth control, you know, <laughs> so that we wouldn't have to see her again, we hoped. It amazed me the spectrum of beliefs around, and in Texas at the time, I don't know what the law is anymore, but being sort of the Roe versus Wade 1971 case, um, was the state with the most expansive um, uh, abortion um, 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 access up to 24 weeks at that time. Um, and how people, women, and even the counselors, there were about eight of us, and we talked 
on a good day, depending how quickly uh, or how much a woman wanted to talk about, we talked between five and eight women a day, every day, five, six days a week for however long you work there. And every perspective was just another incremental place on this endless spectrum. And I thought, wow, because I grew up with a certain view and thought it was a right view and that everyone should see it that way. And all these people who don't, they're, you know, X, Y, Z, all these labels. But it, it, it opened my eyes to... Um, there's a saying in Spanish, cada cabeza es un mundo. Every, every head, every mind is a, is, is a world, a universe unto itself. It was fascinating. And so I did pull a little faux pas today. There was a, <laughs> with regard to this and the things we carry in our head, there was this Prius. I didn't know it was a Prius until later. I noticed that later. There's this Prius in front of me trying to turn out of a parking area in a shopping center. And she got in the far right lane to turn left, which sort of, you know, made me pause, break and pause. And the first thing I thought was, honey, maybe you need more driving lessons. But maybe it wasn't that at all. Maybe she's an excellent driver. Maybe, you know, she got distracted. Maybe... Her child in the backseat cried. I mean, who knows the thousand, thousand things that could have led to that. But what construct did I come up with? Honey, baby, you need more driving lessons. <laughs> Even that was wrong. Who knows? Who knows? Yeah, what was the faux pas? That was the faux pas. Having that opinion? Having that opinion rather than saying, I wonder. <laughs> Sitting with not knowing, I wonder what would have caused her to get in this lane and then cut across to the other lane. Not, not abruptly, she, the, the motion seemed to me, again, another faux pas, because I came to judge around that, she seemed to be certain this was the lane from which you turned left. So, so many things that could have been the cause of her uh, turning across those two lanes. And yet I came to this, you know, this construct of, you need more driving lessons. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's funny because I've been in the situation of being the woman who uh, maybe made a turn from the wrong lane or maybe moved over, you know, in front of somebody. And <clears throat> I don't think now that we can actually really know the myriad, myriad ways, you know, ways why something happens the way it does. You know, for me, it may have been, I can picture myself recently, been thinking of something else. And that was because something had happened earlier, which had, you know, been, a, you know, maybe influenced by, you know, somebody else, you know, earlier. And, you know, my train of thought went there and then I wasn't paying attention, but then I realized it, it's sort of like you, when you were talking, I was thinking there's no way you can know. No, so what a great yeah. practice edge to have noticed that I said you need more driving lessons. And it made me realize from now on, there's no way I could know what was going on. So what I will practice is I wonder why she did that with no judgment, just the wondering and then moving on. Yeah, or just like, huh, you know, hmm. uh, did you guys ever see the movie Benjamin Button? 
about, yes. about the guy who was aging backwards. In reverse, yes. In reverse, yeah. yeah. Um, there was a scene in there where his love, who wanted to be a dancer more than anything, I think she was in Paris or London somewhere studying, she left her apartment to go to the dance studio and got hit by a cab. And it, from the rest of the movie on, her dance dreams were done. She could no longer be the ballerina she wanted to be or whatever. And then they went through a sequence of showing how that accident happened. And it, it just, it was like rushing. I don't know what the film was like, but it was sort of showing every tiny little thing that happened, that had to happen in order for her to enter in front of the cab at that moment. Mm. From the cab driver to what had happened the day before, to what the phone rang, to the, you know, and it was sort of like, oh my God, it wasn't just one cause and effect. Right. It was everything that caused right. that to happen. You know what film does that, I think even more beautifully than Benjamin Button? It's the, the movie Crash. It's five or six different, maybe eight, it doesn't matter. It's a number of different families and how the events, the things that arise and are dependent on somehow these eight lives, these eight families getting intermingled at the end because something happens here that connects up with this one and goes to this one. And those eight families impact the accidents that all of them have, crash. It's, I, I loved that movie. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's the same thing that in this koan that he's pointing against uh, about Fayan when he was young and staying at the monastery and he had an idea about how everything worked. He had his, his um, he'd been to the consciousness only school and, <laughs> and then he gets confronted by Lu Chan, you know, who really shows him you're stuck. I mean, you think you know what you think you know what the truth is. You're stuck in this particular one view, you know. And um, I loved how he pointed that out to him because I think that's what we all struggle with. Whatever we're thinking in that moment, we believe it. <laughs> yeah, but Nelda, you know? I think there's another alternative than the two views you you talked about. Oh, tell me. And that is just to realize that you're having this view of that dumb broad or whatever the- Oh no, I wouldn't think that. <laughs> no, 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 no. Uh, she needs a driving lesson, a however driving. you want to put it. <laughs> yes. But then you could be the one saying, oh, isn't that interesting? I'm thinking she needs a driving lesson. Oh, I love that, yes. Where I have that possibility of that I really don't know because that's where you are. Right. Yes. Isn't that you're, interesting you're, that I'm thinking that? Yes. You're not yeah. at the place of not knowing. Yeah. yeah. This you koan's may, great, by the way, Kim, for our practice um, uh, time tomorrow with Peg on meditation and and the things that come through your mind and and how. I, you I didn't read the book yet. Did oh, you? Okay. I've read till chapter. Two, and I, I think we need to read three chapters. Yeah, I was going to yeah. do that tomorrow morning. What book is that? Oh, goodness. The Way. Here, I'll... And it's going, she, she said at one point, it's going to be the next book that we do. Um, 
Is this it, Roberts? I think it is. I've got it in my purse somewhere. Here, I got it. Okay. Oh, now I, I've lost it. Oh, no, maybe I just went through the, it's a different book. This it is, is. it's not Roberts. Alia. No, Roberts is the one from the intensive. Um, here, author title. Charles Vogt. No, it's the first, the woman's first name starts with an A and it's like A-L-L-A-Y of. Here, recent, okay. It has, Gail, it has some really wonderful pointers. A-Y-Y-A? Yes, A-Y-Y-A. Oh, I, uh, Camera? Yeah. Oh yeah, I've read her, I haven't, I've read other things of hers. I know where you are going, a complete guide to meditation, faith, and everyday transcendence. She's a good, <laughs> she's good. I like her. You know, I haven't read that one though. Um, you know, this is reminding, did I, I don't know if I told this group or you two, if you've heard this story that happened to me talking about driving. And I was, I was driving uh, down a very busy, you know, highway, the 1431, coming from um, Round Rock area, and it goes very fast. It's like 50 miles an hour, 55 miles an hour. <clears throat> I was in the right-hand lane, and suddenly I noticed right up ahead there was a car stopped. And then as I got closer, I was trying to put my brakes on. There was a police car right behind a, a car that was stopped in my lane. Oh. I was the first one, you know, headed down the hill for oh, him. Yeah. And so I immediately put on kind of my brakes and uh, there was a truck behind me, a pickup truck. And the guy slammed his horn on with me because I had stopped. I guess he couldn't see beyond me. And then the other lane was going fast. A lot of cars were going and he couldn't get over. And, you know, I could tell he was frustrated and I couldn't get over either, you know. Um, but anyway, he passed me, he, he got over and passed me and then finally I got over and then we kept going down the highway. And then I noticed he was uh, next to me in the next lane and he was trying to get my attention. And he, you know, honked on the horn and he yelled, and, you know, and I thought, oh my God, this guy is really mad. You know, he's really angry. And I got frightened. I wouldn't look at him. I was like driving like this. And then we came up to a stoplight and I said, oh my God, oh no. We were both right next to each other at the, at the stoplight, the first cars. And he kept, beep, he kept beeping the horn and um, I didn't want to look at him. And finally I looked at him and he made a motion like, like roll down your window. So I did, I was, my heart was pounding and he said, ma'am, I am so sorry. I did not see that police car in your lane. I apologize, ma'am. <laughs> and what that did for me is what Kim is telling you. I, I just had this light bulb moment. It was like, I thought for sure I knew what was happening here. I knew he was mad at me. I knew, you know, this was a scary situation. And I didn't know at all. 
<laughs> I did not know. And it just, it really woke me up in, in that way. I was, um, it was shocking to me, you know, and I couldn't get over it. I kept thinking, I thought he was going to cuss me out. And all he wanted to do was apologize. His way of, of apologizing and saying thank you, because he could have been the one who <laughs> crashed right into that police car had he not. Had you not slowed first? I don't know, but it just showed me the way my mind uh, yes. immediately goes to um, this sort of like uh, I'm wrong or fear place or, you know, something, you know, it was, um, I was really afraid of him. That's supposed to be a, a part of our brain that, that helps us survive. Yeah. That's the one that's usually uh, operating most of the <laughs> most of the time that's the one we're trying to um how can you say it no notice and maybe not always run that direction <laughs> right what did someone tell me once all your brain is is a problem solving machine based on past experience which isn't always integrated properly so turn it off sometimes <laughs> it's not always right <laughs> It's like a survival. Uh, it, it's a tool for survival. Or for surviving. Uh, and and um, especially when you think you are an entity that, you know, that's all you are, you know. So, so actually, I talk about this in my talk yesterday that um, I heard a podcast by this neuropsychologist and she said the main function, evolutionary pro function of the brain is to regulate the body. Ah. We think it's doing this other stuff of dealing with our life, but regulating the body is his main business. So you know, producing me... this chemistry and this chemical and not this chemical. So breathing in, breathing out. Is, I mean, that's our... Yes, yes. But is, are also the thoughts that come to us a form of regulating our body by keeping us safe? In other words, it, it, it heightens whatever adrenaline, that's a regulation, to make us aware, hyper-aware, because adrenaline does that for you. And then, um, based on experience, it adds this other information to get you out of whatever the problem you're in, if it perceives a problem. And then it recognizes that the problem no longer exists, and then it releases other, other chemicals and hormones to, to calm you down. Is that... I mean, well, I guess I, what I'm asking is it more than just plain breathing? It's very complex, even in regulating our our chemical makeup. As well, if you if you accept the idea that our unconscious, most of our decisions are made unconsciously before they're conscious, like by four tenths of a second or something, mm -hmm. however short it is. So we make this unconscious decision, and then a, re a regulation occurs. Our body is regulated in some way, then we're acting. I mean, <laughs> I guess it's all going, one thing's causing the other. Interesting. I, I'm going to sit with that. As I'm going to sit with something I read about recent, by recent, you know, they always mean two to three years. A, a friend of mine's a psychotherapist who does this kind of research. And that is that you cannot make decisions without emotions. So they've taken folks whose brains have been damaged 
but the emotional um, workings, the connections to emotions aren't there. And when they're asked to make a decision, a simple one, they can't. And there are people who have had greater damage in those areas that, that control the, the logical and you know putting facts together, but their emotional component is intact or more intact and they can. So all decisions require any decision, no matter how logical it seems, contains an emotional mental component. Maybe that's why it's so hard to change someone's mind. Yeah. Because yeah. it's not a, it's not <coughs> about rational thought. Right. No, it's not. It's it's like the emotion, uh, what is it? It confirms what it is that you're thinking. That's how it's a loop, you know? Mm -hmm. you, you believe something and the emotion, you know, comes there and tells you that it's right. Let's say you're afraid of something. And then from then on, you're just afraid, um, you know, irregardless of whether you should be or not. I'm trying to override. So it seems like the emotion is telling you that what you're thinking is true. Is true. Which is consistent with what you said just now, Kim, that they're made, our decisions are made on that unconscious level. Before we can put the logical fact, facts to it. <laughs> and then we rationalize. Right. Oh, gosh, is that how we pick marriage partners? <laughs> Plural, in my case. <laughs> Are you a, big, a bigamist? <laughs> no, cereal. Cereal. Oh, cereal. <laughs> uh, um, yeah, that's good. Okay, should okay. we call it, call it I think we're night? good, yes, thank is, you is both. Is it time to make art? It's time to make art. Okay. Thank you. And thank you for posting the intensive talks. I saw that that came up on my email this morning. Oh, good. I can't yes, wait yes. to listen, yeah. Yeah, I'm I posting them now. I didn't get a chance to ask, but it looked like the topic was wonderful with the time being. Uh, Dogen's time being. Yes. So do you hear, it, were, were the talks um, illuminating for you, Kim? Did you learn anything? <laughs> Did I learn anything? Yeah. I, got a, I got a sense about being in time. Uh, yeah. Okay. Good. Good okay. <laughs> Thank you see, again. See you all. All right.